Well, good morning to all of you that are here in the room this morning. Lovely to see you all. If you're watching online this morning, good morning to you as well. My name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Connect. And um, you may remember last year, uh, a movie came out. It was a very entertaining movie, a movie called Knives Out. Uh, maybe some of you saw this movie last year. Uh, great movie. I liked it. I'll tell you why I liked it, because one of the lead characters uh, was a man named Daniel Craig. You can see him there in the middle. So uh, in real life, Daniel Craig talks just like me uh, and James Bond. Uh, in fact, the similarities between he and I are amazing. Um, but um, as well as talking like me in real life, in actual fact, if you uh, watch this movie, he doesn't talk at all like me. He has this really strong Southern States American accent, uh, which I'm going to do for you right now. <laughs> Casey, my wife's like, no, don't. I'm not allowed to do an American accent on stage. But uh, his accent's extraordinary. But what I like about the movie, if you haven't seen it, is that uh, the premise is there's this murder. It's a murder mystery. They're trying to figure out what's happened. And as the movie progresses, uh, Daniel Craig, the detective, he keeps interviewing different members of the family. And with each interview, we learn more about what happens that night. Every person's story unravels just a little bit more of the event that took place on that night of the murder in this movie. And the story kind of builds and you get to understand more and more until the very end you find out who was the murderer and it was... I'll let you watch the movie. So um, we're in a series called Homecoming. We're looking at one of the most uh, famous stories that Jesus ever told. It was the story of the prodigal son. And in the same way, what we're doing in this series is each week we're kind of looking uh, at the story from the perspective of a different person in the story. So this morning we're actually going to start with the prodigal son himself. We're going to look at this story through his eyes. But what's going to be amazing is, is each week we progress and then look at it through the eyes of the, uh, the older brother and then the father. It's going to bring some more dimension to the story. But I don't want to just assume this morning that you know this story. So uh, this morning as we look at the son who ran, I want to set up the story for you and we're going to have um, a son come and read the story. He's not my son. He's uh, Brad and Ashley. Ashley's on staff here. She's our preschool director. And I would like Luke Mahoney to read us the story. So can we give a little round of applause to Mr. Luke Mahoney? You can stand right there, Luke. The story of the lost son. Then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son had packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through the country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with the citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day. I'm here starving to death. I'll go back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he raised up, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. 
But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to have a feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time, the older son was in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard all the music and dancing. Calling over one of the houseboys, he asked what was going on. He told him, your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef, because he has him home safe and sound. Thank you, Luke. And please don't read into the fact that the week of the rebellious son, I had Luke read it. He is uh, definitely not the rebellious son. He's a great son. Uh, He did get that big tattoo on his arm. But apart from that, there's uh, no rebellion at all in that young man. So uh, Luke read that from the message, which is a version of the Bible. It's kind of more of a contemporary English version. And each week we'll we'll, uh, just recount the story again, maybe from different versions of the Bible. So we really get kind of this story into our system because it's such a great story and there's so much to it. And the thing that fascinates me as I'm working through this uh, series and talking about this story is how relevant it still is to us 2,000 years later. But I want to jump back to Jesus' telling of the story this morning. And um, the story has had so much influence on our lives and culture over the years. Uh, Music, art, stories uh, have all been done to to remind us of this story. Rembrandt, the very famous painter, he painted an incredibly uh, powerful picture called The Return of the Prodigal Son. Uh, You can see it for real in St. Petersburg, Russia. That's the, the painting there. And we talked last week about um, an author, a theologian by the name of Henri uh, Nguyen, and uh, he talks about how he sat looking at this painting one day and how much it brought the story to life. This is what he said uh, in a book he wrote about that experience. He said, as he was staring at that painting, he realized, for indeed, I am the younger son, I am the elder son, and I am on my way to becoming the father. So as we kind of dive into this uh, story over the next one, two, three weeks, I'm hoping that for us, we'll start to experience some of the, uh, the reality of the younger son in us, maybe some of the elder son in us, and ultimately, hopefully, we'll discover that all of us, all of us who are following Jesus this morning are in some way on a journey to becoming more like the Father. So let's look in more detail this morning than the younger son. If you weren't here last week, last week we kind of opened up the series by talking about the fact that who was Jesus telling this story to? And Jesus' primary audience when he told this story was a group of religious leaders and Pharisees. There was a very important message he wanted them to understand as he told this story. But as well as those religious leaders and Pharisees, there would have been other people that day listening to Jesus tell this story. Some of those people would have been people who were far from a relationship with God. Sometimes in the Bible, they're referred to as notorious sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, uh, the people who were kind of the outcasts of society in that day. And yet they spent time with Jesus because he was showing them love and acceptance. So as we look at this story this morning, remember that there are these religious leaders listening, but then there are also these people who were far from God because the story speaks to both. 
Luke 15, 12 says, The youngest son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, while this is just a story, in those days, as he's telling this story, his audience would think, that is ridiculous, that's unthinkable. Ordinarily, you see, the sons would remain there on the land of their father until one day the father died, and then that point, and only at that point, would the estate become theirs. It would be divided equally amongst the offspring, and the elder son would always get double the portion, and then the rest of the sons would get split the remaining amount. But the son is saying in Jesus' story, Dad, I don't want to wait. I want to cash in now. I want to take what's mine and I want to get out of this place and I want to enjoy myself. In fact, when it says there in that verse that the father divided his wealth, that original word in the Greek is um, bios, B-I-O-S. It's where we get our word biology. So it's not just him dividing his wealth. The father is literally dividing his life up between these two sons. The son is basically saying as he takes from his dad, you are dead to me. And the only thing in this story that Jesus told that would be crazier to his listeners than this son's request would be the father's response. You see, in this one short sentence, Jesus shows us both the heart of the son, but he also shows us the heart of the father. We've determined that the son is a prodigal. This is a kind of an old-fashioned word. We don't really use this word today in our language, but um, prodigal literally means someone who just kind of recklessly and extravagantly spends money or wastes, is a, is a wasteful person. But as Jesus is telling this story, we're learning something about the father too. Because you see, in this culture, an ancient Middle Eastern father, if a son was to make such an audacious request would immediately chastise the son, would punish the son. He would drive the boy out of the house. In fact, it wasn't uncommon in those days to make an example of such a rebellious son in front of the whole community. They would gather together and the father would would viciously strike a blow to his son's face to, to communicate how disappointed he is with that son. That's what would be expected in a situation like this. But, but we find out that not only is the, is the son a prodigal, it looks like the father's a bit of a prodigal as well. Because he chooses to give away all that's his in a reckless and extravagant way. Again, this is important for us to understand because the listeners at the time when they were hearing Jesus tell this story are starting to get a picture of just how bad the son is, but also just how good The father is. Verse 13, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. So I want to pause just for a second here in this this part of the story. I want to pause right here at the, the point where the son leaves all that he had, all that he's, his father had given him when he leaves to go off to this foreign land to, to live a prodigal lifestyle of reckless abandonment and wastefulness. And I want to do what Nguyen did when he'd stared at that painting. And I want to just pause and for us in 2020 this morning, stare into the life of this son and ask ourselves the question, is there anything of me 
that I see this morning in the life of this son? Is there anything in the heart of the son and, and his rebellious behavior that, that kind of resonates with me this morning? You see, we could sit back this morning and maybe say, well, I would never do anything as rebellious as that. I mean, he just left. He was living, wild living. I mean, that, that wouldn't be me at all. But I think the longer that we stare at the sun, the longer we look at his motivations, I think the more chance there is that we'll find some of his heart in our heart. Because you see, the inheritance that Jesus is talking about in this story, it would have come in the form of land and property. It's not like in those days they had you know, bank accounts full of money. Their, their wealth was based on everything they owned. It was their land, it was their livestock. It, that's what made somebody wealthy. So when he divided up his wealth, he was basically dividing up all that he owned. He was dividing up his land, his livestock, his property. He gave twice as much to the older son and half as much to the younger son. So that younger son, if he wants to take that and leave, he's going to have to sell that. And we know that it was just a few days later that he left. So he would have sold that for pennies on the dollar. You see, I don't think this was so much a son who was looking to cash in and get rich as much as it was a son who just wants to get out of there. He was already rich. As the son of a wealthy landowner, he already had all that he wanted. I don't think this was so much about money. This was a son who wants to get away from his father and experience something that he didn't already have. And as we stare at that son this morning, isn't that the root of many of the problems that we see in the world today? In fact, if we're honest with ourselves, isn't that something that we see in our own hearts? Instead of being satisfied with what we have, the desire to, to have more money and more possessions, it can lead us to, to bad financial decisions, can lead some of us getting into debt, cheating and abusing others for our own personal financial gain. Instead of being satisfied with what we have, many families today face brokenness as a spouse decides there is something better out there than what he or she already has. Instead of being satisfied with who we are, we live in a social media ruled world where now when it comes to posting pictures online, we don't just post pictures of who we are. In the last 10 years, things have drastically changed, haven't they, as social media has become more prevalent in our society. I think it affects young people more than adults, but I think it affects adults too. And the fact that last year, Instagram decided for the sake of mental health to remove a filter that was known as the plastic surgery filter, a filter in Instagram that you could use to adjust the way you looked to something more desirable, it didn't change the fact that still, it is said that plastic surgeons are hearing more and more people coming in saying, I want you to make me look more like this. And it's a picture of them with a filter applied because we're not satisfied with who we are. That was the heart of the problem that this son faced, wasn't it? He, he had this wonderful existence, but he just he felt like there was something better out there. There was something more. He wasn't satisfied with what we had. And if we're honest, that can fuel a lot of things in our lives today, can't it? This young man was convinced that the grass was greener on the other side. And I wonder how many of us could relate to that this morning. And you know what? 
for a while, the grass was greener. It was everything he hoped and imagined it would be. All this wealth, all this new friendship, popularity, this life he'd been longing to live and now he's living this life and then reality struck. The money ran out, a famine hit the land and we read in verses 14 through 15, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. So he persuaded a local pig farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. What a fall from grace for this young son. But you know, this had an even greater implication on his listeners than I think we realize reading it in 2020. You see, do you remember I told you at the beginning that this story that Jesus was telling, uh, part of his primary audience were these religious leaders, these Jewish leaders, these Pharisees. So already they're not impressed with this son. But the story keeps getting worse and worse. Imagine, let, let me give you an illustration of how this story would have played out to them 2,000 years ago. Imagine you have a kid who's old enough to drive and uh, they come home one day, they're like, Mom, Dad, uh, got a little bit of bad news. Uh, I was out earlier and I got into a car wreck. I wrecked the car. Now, as a parent, you know, you're glad they're okay. You're a bit disappointed. You know, you're a bit frustrated, but glad they're okay. You're you're willing to forgive. Then they're like, actually, it wasn't my car. I was actually driving your car. (laughs) Keys were on the the, uh, counter, so I took your car. Uh, Still happy you're okay. Still want to forgive you. A little bit harder to forgive you now, but... uh, And actually, the car I hit was a police car. As the story keeps getting worse, it's getting a little bit harder to forgive, isn't it? It's getting a little bit, because the story keeps... Now, I do have to tell you, some of you know me well enough to know that I often tell stories of my own family. I want to assure you that isn't a personal anecdote. That is purely, uh, uh, my kids have never hit another car. Uh, My wife. Uh, But... uh... (laughs) And she's never hit a police car. She's hit my car and my son's car and another one of my son's car, but never a police car. So very easy to forgive her. But for the Pharisees, as they're listening to this story, they've already got a son who has just said to his father, you're dead to me. I I want mine. I mean, that's shocking. That's almost unforgivable. But then on top of that, this son has chosen to go to what Jesus refers to as a distant land. So, so we can assume that this was a place uh, where Gentiles, who the, the, the Jewish people looked down their noses at, you know, he's gone to a land where their enemies live. So not only has he turned his back on his father, he's gone to this distant land, this, this awful place where good religious people, Pharisees, would never go. And then finally, here he finds himself working, feeding pigs. If you know anything about the Jewish religion, you'll know that this was a a very unclean animal in the eyes of the Jewish people. So these religious leaders, they're thinking, and to make it even worse, now he's living his life with the pigs. I mean, this is like a three strikes, you're out kind of story. There is no way that this son is going to be forgiven. Any one of those three was enough to make his situation unforgivable. But Jesus is painting this picture of just as as bad as it could possibly be, that's who this son is. So I think they're listening in thinking, how is this story going to end? Because we know, we know there's no way this son is getting out of this mess. But as Jesus continues on, the, the son has a plan. 
His plan is, I will go home to my father and I'll say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. You see that phrase hired servants important there because the son would have had, oh sorry, the father would have had servants who lived on the estate and who worked for him. And they would actually be treated differently than the hired servants. They were the laborers who lived nearby, lived in poverty, and would come to the father every day and say, Is there any work? Is there anything I can do? And kind of seasonal employees. And, and if there was something, then he would come them in and he could pay them whatever he wanted. He could pay them a lot or he could pay them little. And because they were in poverty, they just had to take whatever they could get. So the son's plan was to come back as one of those laborers, as just a hired servant. And I think the reason he thought that is because he thought, if I work enough, maybe I could earn enough money to one day pay back what I owe my father. Which is ridiculous. I mean, think about it. The the, the pennies he's going to earn working for his dad as a hired servant, it would take him a hundred years and he still wouldn't scratch the surface of the debt that he'd incurred to his father. But as crazy of a plan as that sounds, how often do we find ourselves with the same plan? I've messed up. I've done some stupid things in my life. I want to make things right. I want to kind of get right with God here. So I want to try and do as many good things as possible. Maybe try and stop doing as many bad things. And if I can just do enough, then maybe God will accept me. Maybe if I can just be good enough, if I can just... But as crazy as it was for this son coming as a high servant, that's as crazy as for us. A hundred years, we could never do enough good things to cancel out the wrong things that we've done in our life. Because every single wrong thing separates us from a perfect God. And the religious leaders knew this. They knew there was nothing this son could do to ever be good enough because they were experts at this. This is how they lived their lives. They created these laws that they then followed themselves because they wanted to be good enough. And they knew there was no way this son could ever be good enough. Which is why the end of the story was just so crazy. The end of this story just made no sense. It was great news for the listeners who felt far from God, but it was terrible news for the religious leaders. Because they even had a hard time thinking of him as a hired servant, but maybe, maybe they could wrap their heads around that if he worked hard enough. But Jesus says that while the son was still a long way off, the father ran He ran out to meet him. He threw his arms around him. He he kissed him. He welcomed him home. This is where the story gets turned on its head. This is a picture that Jesus wants to paint of his father. Father God. A God of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. Imagine being in his audience that day. Being one of those people who felt like you've done so much wrong, you could never be right in God's eyes. Having that view validated by these religious leaders who look down their noses and judge you. And then Jesus tells a story of a father who loves them so much that while they were still a long way off, he ran out to meet them. And I think Jesus knew when he was telling that story that 2,000 years later, we'd still be talking about this story. 
Because 2,000 years later, we need this to be as true today as they did back then. Because maybe there's some of you here this morning, someone watching online, who can relate to that younger son. Who, if they're honest with themselves, can say, you know, I had, I had some great stuff, but, but there was something in me that wanted more. And because of that desire to have something that I didn't already have, I made some foolish decisions. I look back now, I wish I could do things differently. And maybe you're at a place where you want to make things right with God. And, and like the, the son in the story, you're wanting to see how, how hard must I try? How much work must I do before finally God will turn around and maybe look at me again? But Jesus introduces us to this wonderful father. I want to finish off this morning by showing you a short video clip. It's of a, a musician. His name's Brian Welch. He used to be the lead singer of a band called Korn, which was a pretty hardcore uh, band. And it's important you know that because at one point he says, I quit Korn. And it, to me, I was like, oh, that's good. I'm going to quit broccoli. But it was the band. It wasn't like a decision he made to quit eating vegetables. So, But God transformed his life. And this just happened recently, within the last few years, he got to experience like a modern day version of this prodigal son story. So check out this video. Father. I felt so much fatherly love from, from heaven. And it was like, I don't condemn you. I love you. I love you. It was just love, love. And instantly, that love from God came into me. It was so powerful that the next day I threw away all my drugs and uh, I quit corn. I was like, I'm quitting corn and I'm going to raise my kid because my kid, like I got the love from God coming to me and then it came out of me to my kid. It changed me. My heart was changed like that. And I was like, Janaya, daddy's going to be home with you all the time. I'm quitting my career. And her face lit up and she's like, for me, you know, she felt so special and, uh, God used her to save me, to save her life later on. My dream came true way more than I dreamt about. I, got, I made more money. I played bigger shows. I mean, houses, cars. I tried drugs. I tried sex. I tried everything to try to get pleasure out of this life. And I thought that I could fulfill my life with all this stuff by, by having my dream come true. And it came true, but it didn't fulfill it. When Christ came in, that feeling, he gives you the gift of understanding life, which is everything was created for Christ and by him. And we we're created to be with him. And it's the most incredible feeling because you're where you belong. And contentment is given to you in life because you don't have to look anywhere else. And you're exactly where you need to be. And the question about life is answered. So you may not have lived a prodigal son life. You may not have thrown it all away to, to go off to a foreign land and, and waste it all away, but... But it was just that lack of satisfaction with what he had that drove the son to make the choices he did. 
Maybe as we look at our lives, there are some things we've done that as we look at it, we think, man, I, that pulled me in the wrong direction. But like he said in that video, God is this loving Father who wants us to fill us with that contentment that only Jesus can bring. So I'm gonna pray now to close out the service, but right before I pray, I'm gonna just pause and just in the silence here as you're sat here in the room this morning, as you're watching online, I wanna give you a moment just in the silence to talk to God. Maybe you're a son or a daughter who feels far from God this morning. And he's just waiting for you to turn to him. And I promise you, he will run to meet you where you're at. You can build your life from there. You don't have to work hard. He wants to meet you exactly where you're at this morning. So as we close out to pray, before I pray, just use this moment just to speak to him in your heart this morning. Father, I want to pray for everyone listening online this morning, watching online, here in person. This story you told of the lost son was the third of of three stories. The first was of a lost sheep. The second was of a lost coin. And the the commonality in all three of these stories is there was something that was lost, but there was was someone pursuing. There was someone looking out. There was a, a shepherd who went in search of that lost sheep. There was a widow who went in search of that lost coin. There was a father who stood looking um, with hope every day that his son would return. Father, I pray that everyone who can hear my voice this morning will know, Lord, that that is you. That you are searching, you are pursuing us. Before we even turn to you, Lord, you are already pursuing us. Help us to realize, Lord, we don't have to return as a hired servant. We don't have to come to work this off, Lord. That just giving our hearts back to you, turning back to you, is all it takes to restore that relationship. I pray, Lord, if there are any here this morning who have felt far from you, that they prayed that prayer earlier, that they spoke to you and that they would know, Lord, that you ran to meet them this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that a story you told 2,000 years ago is still so relevant and powerful for us today. Help us to see ourselves in the younger son and the younger son that was welcomed home. In Jesus' name, amen.